Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. Emma and Mathani here, and we have our lovely guest, Anna, on with us. Hello, Anna. Hi. So excited for you to be here with us. So to give our guests an idea of what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about minimal support as a birth mom. We're going to talk about grief resurfacing as a parent. And then placement as a paradigm shift. Before giving away any more, Mathani, will you please give our guest, Anna, a proper intro? Anna is a birth mother of six years. She's been married for two and a half years, loves baking and binge watching Vanderpump Rules. Love it. Hey, and by the way, when we asked Anna her favorite show, this is how she sold it and described it. It is the worst show and I love it. <laughs> so for anyone who's curious whether or not they should watch it, it is the worst show, but she loves it. Trashy quality content, apparently. So with that, Anna, please jump in to your adoption story. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. So I placed six years ago when I was 24. I was working retail in the stockyards and um, living at home with my parents. I was raised um, Roman Catholic. Um, so sex before marriage was a huge no-no. Um, so I was definitely scared to tell them that I was pregnant so I made sure that I had a plan before I told them. I did not research any agencies. I went straight with the one that my coworker suggested. And when I called them, I told them, you know, my situation. And they said that they had dorms for expected mothers. I called them and within a few days, they told me that I had to get tested for tuberculosis. And I was like, what is this 1890, but okay. So I got, I got tested, came back negative, of course. And I moved into the dorms. <laughs> So yeah, I moved in. I was probably six weeks pregnant when I moved in and I ended up telling the birth father very soon after um, I moved into the dorms. He did not seem to care, told me that he was moving. The last I heard, he still lives in the same state, but who knows? I do not keep in contact with him. Well, I did send him a text whenever my son was born and that was the last, he, he never responded. So I lived in the dorms for a while. Um, well, really I lived in the dorms my, my the entire pregnancy. I started looking at profiles when I was about six or seven months pregnant. And right when I saw the book basically of the adoptive parents that I ended up choosing, I knew right away. However, I wanted to give some more people, I wanted like backups just in case it didn't work out with them. So I sent letters to, or I guess like a series of questions to the, my favorite couple and then to two other families. And I did not like the answers that the other two families gave me. So I moved Wait, forward with Really them. quick. 
I'm curious mm-hmm. where you got the idea from to write a letter of questions. Oh, my caseworker brought it up. Oh, that that's was like cool. the first step. Yeah. So she said to write out a list of questions that you want to ask them. So, and I still have the list of questions that I have upstairs. Um, one was, are you wanting to be a stay-at-home mom? Um, how are you wanting to feed the baby? Um, are you going to do, are you going to go to the store and buy food or are you going to make it yourself? Which <laughs> I was 24. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. I, I feed her <laughs> store-bought food, my daughter. <laughs> It's just so much easier. So much easier. <laughs> oh, discipline. I wanted to see how they were going to discipline or what their thoughts on discipline because I'm I'm very much against spanking. I will not spank my daughter and I didn't want my son to be spanked by anybody. Um, I don't care who his parents are. They came back and they answered all my questions the way I wanted, basically. Um, she said she was going to be a stay-at-home mom. She was going to make all of his food. They didn't believe in spanking. And they told me like kind of an idea of how they wanted to discipline. So I liked those answers. Um, We set up a phone call. We talked about what I enjoyed doing. And of course, you know, when you're pregnant, you, your hobbies kind of change, Um, especially (laughs) living in dorms. You can't do some of the things that you're used to doing. And so I just told them that I really liked reading books, which I did um, and watching movies, which I still do. They, they talked about how um, the adoptive dad really enjoys Star Wars. Um, and I kind of connected with that because my dad made me watch Star Wars when I was like six. Probably not the best parenting choice um, <laughs> because it was kind of scary, but he was like, these are classic movies. So I was like, okay. Um, so I really like Star Wars as well. Um, probably not as much as the adoptive dad, but that's okay. Um, so... So something I want, or that made me think of is how important it is for adoptive parents just to be themselves because time and time again, when we talk to birth moms, it's all of these like random little things that most people would think are so insignificant and not Mm -hmm. important. I mean, the amount of, I mean, Mathani, how many times have we heard a guest say, oh, they had a dog or they had a cat you know, whatever it was. And it was like, oh, this picture, they were doing this, or oh, they (laughs) liked this. And it was, and it's so sweet because it's these small things that make, that are the game changer. Oh, one thing I did want to, whenever I was picking out profiles or whenever my caseworker asked me like, what are your things that you want to have? Whenever I first moved in, I was all like, I want a pagan, um, lesbian or gay multiracial family and they were like um I don't know if we can find that I was all like well then I guess I'm not placing I I don't know what to tell you (laughs) so I did keep the whole multiracial thing because my mother is an immigrant and my father is not and I got that surprisingly I did not get the other two (laughs) they are heterosexual Christian family (laughs) so Oh, well, (laughs) one for three isn't bad, I guess. (laughs) So when did you um, meet the couple? Let me see. It must have been after that phone call. I believe it was just a few days later because another one of my stipulations was that they had to live in Texas. I don't care where in the state they had to be, but they had to be in the state. Easier for visits. We wouldn't Mm. have to get on planes or anything. I get that. Um, But also just because I've been, I've been in Texas pretty much my entire life and I like the state. I don't know. I met them 
probably a, a week, less than a week um, after that initial phone call. Um, it all moved really fast, surprisingly. I thought it was going to take a long time, but so we met. And then after we met for the first time, I want to say we met up like at least three more times, at least maybe even four more times. So at, like three times within the next like eight weeks. Oh, wow. So, which is kind of a lot. Mm -hmm. And we talked all the time. I mean, we were emailing back and forth, just really trying to get to know each other. I mean, basically at, when I got, when I gave birth, I really felt like they were friends. They weren't just like potential adoptive parents. I feel like they were genuinely friends and it was really sweet. We actually met up for dinner the night before I gave birth and we had just finished eating and my son, when he was, when I was still pregnant, after I ate, which is true with my second child, um, after I would eat, they would always get the hiccups. And so he got the hiccups while I was sitting there talking to them. And I asked them if they wanted to feel it. And that was really special. I'm pretty sure that my, the adoptive dad started to cry. Mm. I can't remember 100% because, you know, this was six years ago, but I'm like 95% sure he started crying and it was just really sweet. And she brought like this questionnaire um, that we all had to fill out and just like, just to get to know each other better, like our favorite color, our favorite band, our favorite food, when our birthdays are. Yeah, it was just that, that it was a really good time just getting to know them and getting comfortable with them. I gave birth um, the next day. It was my first day off in like five days. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to lay in bed and watch TV and eat popcorn. It's going to be wonderful. And I stood up to go to the bathroom and my water broke. And I was all like, well, okay. I did end up laying in bed watching TV the rest of the day because it wasn't progressing like they wanted. Um, so that was nice. Yeah. So my water broke at like 9 a.m. And at 8.30 that night, he was born. Side note, can we just yes. talk about how Anna is like, the kind of person in a crisis you want around because she says when her water breaks well no okay like what I was freaking out I was actually really relieved because whenever so my sister and I got pregnant just about the same time last year with her um, her first and obviously my second and she kept asking me like what if my water doesn't break how will I know I'm going into labor how will I know this and I'm all like I don't know, like my water just broke. And apparently that only happens in like 20% of pregnancies. So if my water doesn't break, I don't know. Yeah, you will know, trust me. It is so painful. Oh my gosh. Ugh. My water did not break. They have to no? break my water. So you gave birth later that night. <laughs> so you had a long labor, <laughs> finally yeah. delivered. Were the adoptive <laughs> parents there? No, okay. they did send flowers, but it, we never even really talked about whether I wanted them in the room or not. Um, I think it was just sort of assumed, I guess, that they weren't going to be in the room. But I don't remember distinctly having a conversation about that. But they did send flowers um, the next day, but I did not reach out and talk to them um, until I signed two weeks later. So I went about two weeks without speaking to them, but I knew that I was always going to place with them. I didn't spend those two weeks thinking that I was like going to parent. Two but, questions. Yeah. So first question is, did you ever doubt your adoption choice that entire time? Cause you were pretty early on when you moved into the dorms at the agency, were you confident in your adoption decision that entire time? 
No. Okay. Um, I was confident right when I found out I was pregnant. Um, and then I would probably say around the five, six month mark, I started rethinking mm. and probably up until I met them. Only when I saw them did I say, yes, this is really what I want to do. But so there is probably a solid like two or three months where I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't think I wanted to do adoption. I was rethinking everything. Okay. Okay. And then second thing, why two weeks to sign? No idea. I knew it was going to be difficult. So that was a lie. (laughs) I do have an idea. I didn't want to. Um, I knew that it was going to be really hard and I wanted to prolong that as long as possible. Did you know you were going to wait a while to sign or was it, okay, 48 hours mark is here. You can sign and you're like, uh, later. And then, okay. Yeah. And I think that's probably how it came across to my adoptive parents, Mm. um, that I was rethinking everything. And I, they told me, I think later after I had signed, they told me that they had actually been through this whole process before. And then after the baby was born, she dropped out and said, never mind. So I felt really bad doing that to them again, but I, it's, I didn't do it on purpose and yeah. it wasn't maliciously. So before jumping to, or discussing those two weeks and talking about placement, who did anyone come visit you at the hospital? What was that um, hospital stay like? My parents came. Um, they were there whenever he was born and they came back the next morning. They stayed for a couple of hours, but not very long. My friend's mother owned a floral shop. And so he brought by a beautiful bouquet of flowers Mm. out. That was really, really nice of him. Um, but other than that, no, I didn't, I really didn't want anybody. The nurses were absolutely amazing. At one point, I think the night before I went home, I was just like sobbing my eyes out. I was like, how am I supposed to leave here without him? Like, I can't, I can't do that. And she stayed with me for a while and just like held me while I cried and was just like, it's going to be okay. Like you're, you're going to get through this, no matter what you decide, you're strong enough to take on whatever. And that was really nice. I love to hear when medical personnel are supportive like that. Yeah, they were really amazing. And I resonate as well with, you know, not wanting a bunch of people there. I mean, I was secretive with, with my pregnancy up to that point, with the mm-hmm. exception of family and, and two friends. And even then it was like, I didn't want family and friends to spend a bunch of time. I didn't have the adoptive parents come because you do realize how precious time is. Mm-hmm. Um, during that pain and on medication and all the things, it gets all fuzzy anyway. So you want to make mm-hmm. the most of the time. So I get that. And it mm-hmm. sounds, so it sounds like you did extend it, at least the signing away your rights. Did you, did you see him during that time? Yeah. Um, so I had to wait out the registry. They could not get a hold of the birth father. So I had to, I had to wait it out um, those 30 days. And so I got to see him for three hours um, three days a week. And it was, it was wonderful. It was so, it was so awesome being able to spend time with him, but at the same time, it, it also really solidified the fact that I could not parent. I did Mm. not have the patience. I was way too immature. I just, I, I would not have been a very good mother. I would have been decent. 
You know what's interesting you say not because I've, I've always wondered like what if I would have spent more time like not rushed it at the 48 hour mark because I used to always think that would make it too hard right like I'm afraid I would have yeah. changed my mind whatever it is but honestly maybe you're right maybe if I would have done it I would have been like oh yeah no. I mean I I was 18 at the time I mean it is a whole other mm-hmm. story when you take a you know when you're spending time with a baby and changing their diaper and they're crying and all you want to do is sleep like maybe it for me, it would have been a wake up call. So you found it more solidifying, not harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was changing his diaper and this happens all the time with my daughter, but he started pooping and peeing at the same time while I was changing his diaper. I was freaking out. Thankfully, my dad was there because he would come. I let him come for one hour once a week. Um, he would come after work. He's, he's been the main pillar um, for me is my dad. <laughs> actually, now that, that now that my son is six years old, he actually calls him Spooky, Mr. Spooky. I have no idea why. It just randomly came out. And so my dad loves it. He's like, yeah, I'm Mr. Spooky. That's great. <laughs> Anyways, so my dad was helping me. He, you know, he was holding his legs back. I was like wiping him while his, you know, newborn poop is coming out. I was all like, I... Could well, at that I point, go, you need a shield. It's it's not even clean. <laughs> it's a shield. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, there's no way that I could do that on my own. I told my husband, my now husband, because we we had kind of talked about having kids, but I was all like, we, we need to be married first. I need to have that piece of paper saying that you're stuck with me before we have a kid because I need the help <laughs> for sure. Um, and I, I definitely could not parent without him at all especially today like I had that horrible migraine thankfully he was you know he's working from home now so he was able to watch her and take care of her while I sat in a dark room basically crying because (laughs) I couldn't move it was horrible being a single mom is so hard and I commend any woman who can do it especially at 18 like yeah yeah that's before jumping too far into the journey with you and your husband and becoming a parent with your daughter later on was, or something I'm, I'm curious about is the post-placement agreement you had with the adoptive parents. Going into it, we always knew that we wanted to have a pretty open adoption. I knew that that's what I had to have. I could not compromise on that. Um, And I told them from the very beginning, if this is not something that you were able to give me, then I I suggest we, we go our separate ways because Mm -hmm. it's something that I need. I need the constant, the open communication. I need the visits. I need the pictures. And if, if you can't give that to me, then I can't do it. And so we, we chose the, the more open agreement of the heart. We've, we've stuck to it. His first year, we saw each other every three months, I believe, every four months. So I saw him three times um, before his first birthday. Um, I got emails every single month. Um, I got those really cute, like one month pictures, two month pictures, three month pictures. I got some really funny Halloween, like his first Halloween, because he was only a couple months old, I think three months old. So yeah, so I got emails every month. Um, And then once he turned one, we started seeing each other twice a year. And so far, we saw each other just recently in July. He does really well with my with my daughter. And I, we haven't talked yet about Christmas, 
um, because that's usually when we see each other again. And normally the, the visit that we have in the summer is just me and my husband and now my daughter, but the Christmas visit is usually with my parents as well. So y'all have, it sounds like a pretty open adoption. I'm glad that you expressed those needs early on and that those expectations have been met. When we were speaking earlier, you you were discussing how, how much you've changed mm-hmm. after having your son. And so mm-hmm. do you mind taking us into that paradigm shift? Like I said, I was 24 when I placed. Um, in my early 20s, I was not making the best decisions. I lied a lot. I was all like, what's the point? Um, I got really good at it in my teens. I was able to lie to my parents like, no problem. I mean, I snuck out and got a tattoo when I was 17 in a sketchy apartment when I was 17. Like, come on. And in my early 20s, I was in a series of just really toxic relationships. I I just made really, really horrible decisions. I found that when I was placing, I had to be open and honest and tell people what I needed from them. And basically learning how to be honest. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily more open with what I need. Um, but I mean, that, that really takes time and therapy and I want better for myself. I I don't want to settle. Yeah, no, it's a really significant milestone for all, if not, well, if not all most birth moms, I mean, it totally changes your perspective on everything. And I know something that it has really affected for you is parenting. Mm-hmm. So I know that you met your now husband pretty soon after you placed your son for adoption and y'all got married, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Two and a half years. Okay. And then your daughter's how old? A year? One. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take us through that. I mean, the one dating, getting married, and then yeah. I would really love to hear about how becoming a parent again has affected um, your grief with your son. Yeah. So with the dating, I always found that telling them up front worked better for me because I wanted to be more honest. Keeping that felt like a lie. And I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want that. <laughs> so whenever I met my now husband on our first date, I asked him, do you have any kids? And he said, no. And I was all like, okay. And he's like, do you? And I was like, kind of. <laughs> and he was all like, that's, that's not a normal answer to that question. And I was all like, well, so I told him like the whole story and how, you know, everything that happened. And he was all like, okay, cool. And I was all like, cool. <laughs> like one guy actually told me I, he wanted to see a picture. And so I showed him a picture and he's like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. Can you get him back? And I was all like, all right, well, it's time for me to go. Bye. <laughs> like, who asks that? And another guy, I remember him telling me like in great detail about how wonderful his seeing the birth of his son, how wonderful that was for him and how amazing and how that really changed him as man. And I was all like, I hear you and I, I respect that. And I'm so happy for you, but I cannot discuss that right now since I gave birth and placed my son like three months ago. So if we could like not, and he got really offended and really mad at me. And I was all like, all right, well, (laughs) bye. (laughs) So I ghosted him, did not ever speak to him again. So whenever my, my now husband was just like, okay, cool. I was all like, awesome. And so because I was so early on, I believe my son was only six months old, seven months old. He was really there for 
a lot of things. Um, and he really, he's been incredibly supportive, um, always wanting to know, like, sometimes when I would come back from a visit, I would be very upset. And he, you know, one day was all like, well, you know, if, if it's making you upset, maybe you shouldn't do it. And I was all like, no. <laughs> That's not an option. I'm not going to give up these visits just because I'm sad afterwards. That's, and he was like, all right, well, I gave you my opinion. You don't like it. So I, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> Keep your opinion to yourself. And, you know, he was there for the first birthday because that, I, I don't know if it's common, if it's like that with every birth mom, but that first birthday was incredibly difficult um, I, we almost broke up. I had told him like, I don't even want to be in the state. Let's go on a trip somewhere. And we had been, we had been dating what a few months and we ended up in Louisiana. What's that one town called? It's not new Orleans, but it's right there on the border. And you can, it's, it's a big gambling town. I don't remember the name Shreveport. We went to Shreveport and got like a really nice hotel room. And we got there like on his birthday and it I was just I was a wreck I was incredibly sassy and just mean because I was hurting and um, I ended up hurting him because I couldn't vocalize what I needed and how I felt because I didn't know what I was feeling I was feeling everything and it was so overwhelming um, and so now going forward we both know how to navigate these birthdays and it's kind of weird because my son's birthday is on the 28th of August and my daughter's birthday is September 28th. The 28th, I feel like it's a very hard day because on one hand, like, especially in the August, September timeframe, it's, it's so bittersweet. Like I'm grieving him, but I'm also so happy for her and celebrating her. It's, it's just a very sensitive time. So did you anticipate the difficulty that came with becoming a parent again? Like, did you expect, like, expect that? No, I thought it was going to be totally fine. And the second I found out I was pregnant, everything changed really. So when I found out I was pregnant with my son, it was terrifying. It was dread. It was disappointment. I was upset. There were zero happy emotions. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, we had been trying for a few months and that actually was really rough. So we started trying in September and I didn't get pregnant until January. I had seemingly gotten pregnant easily before. I mean, it really was an accident. Um, and so when it was, when it didn't take the first time, I mm. felt like I was being punished. I felt like, what if I can't ever get pregnant again? What if I gave away the one baby that I could ever have and I'll never be able to have a family of my own? And my friend, my, my sweet, sweet friend who has problems with fertility, which is still like, you tried twice. <laughs> She's all like, I've been trying for years. And I was all like, I know, I feel horrible saying this to you and she's all like no I mean that's your reality she's great but once I got that positive pregnancy test I was so happy I was so relieved I was elated I mean exact opposite of how I felt with my son that's when I was all like oh man this is this ride is going to be rough can I ask you and... a tough question <laughs> mm -hmm. did you feel guilty 
for being happy the second time? I feel guilty. Guilty in that I wasn't happy the first time? Yeah. Maybe. And you may have not. I I know I struggle with guilt for feeling yeah. not being excited yeah. and happy. Yeah. When I had found out I was pregnant. Mm, see, and this makes me sound selfish. I was so sad that this pregnancy was viewed so happy and joyful and oh wonderful you're gonna have a baby and I'm all like I had a baby six years ago where was the happiness then mm. why, why was everything and it, it it was just such a different experience the second time around like other people's responses yes yeah because I knew when I told my parents the response would be the complete polar opposite of when I told them I was pregnant with my son and it was just really sad. It felt like people were glossing over my son's pregnancy. And I think that's, this is an important moment to emphasize, especially from a birth mother's perspective, that an adoptee's value is not diminished nor altered because of the timing or how they were conceived or whatever it is, right? That like, oh, it was unplanned. An adoptee's value is not tainted right. because yeah. of that. Um, yeah. And I think that's why as birth mothers, we feel that so deeply when the responses are kind of funky because mm -hmm. it's, we understand the value of our child. We don't love them any less. We, you know, love them so deeply, but that's a good point of how that contrast of responses would be. Mm -hmm. After finding out you were pregnant with your daughter, that was very difficult. Telling people mm -hmm. was difficult. I mean, happy too. Once you had her, mm -hmm. were there other things that came up or was it still just in general? It's been bittersweet watching her grow and hit all these milestones and knowing that I missed every single one with my son. And it makes me feel guilty and just really sad that... I made two very beautiful, perfect little babies in my head. Of course, I think they're perfect. And I only get to see one grow up. It's also like really little things as well, like watching my adoptive mom parent. Before I had my own child, I was all like, she's a great mom. Everything she does is perfect. I love it. And now that I'm a mom, I'm all like, oh, you did that? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I try so hard not to judge other mothers. I know, I know that it's just, it, it's, it's gross, really. I don't know their situation. I don't know the struggles that they're dealing with and I don't know their relationship with their child. So truly judging another mother and like thinking like, well, they're just not a good mom. I don't do that. Um, but it would just be, you know, like little things like, oh, you, you like that brand instead of this brand, okay. Well, I'm sure it's, it just brings up so many things that are, you wouldn't have anticipated to be like, yes, exactly. to like disagree with even like even insignificant things. But we've talked about before on this podcast, how we, so as birth parents tend to put adoptive parents on these pedestals of like, oh, they're going to be these perfect parents. Da, 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 da. And I think it's just reality sinks in when you yourself become a parent and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, 
I get where sometimes you lose your temper and maybe you raise your voice or I get where sometimes you just are too tired to Mm -hmm. be the perfect parent that day. And, um, I think it just give, allows you to give more grace. Yes, for sure. You know, as birth moms, we have a really weird experience with that where the criticism we receive isn't like, how were you parent? It's the lack of parenting that is criticized. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a really bizarre criticism to cope with. And a lot of people have very strong opinions about that of, you know, there's the, there are the phrase, common phrases of how could you let your blood be out there in the world and you're not raising it. And I would imagine that's part of the reason why you feel so strongly about not, or trying to not judge moms, yeah. you know, as you know what that's like. Yeah. Speaking of, I wanted to ask what, are some things people should not say. We were talking about this earlier and you were just yeah. telling some funny stories, whether <laughs> it was the yeah first date or whatever, or even your husband attempting to help and, and saying <laughs> the wrong thing, or, you know, we all say the wrong things all the time. We do the best with what we yes. know. Most of the time, most people try to do yeah. the best with what they know, but how can people who aren't the birth parents, aren't the adoptive parents, but kind of that third connection, right? Like someone a little mm-hmm. further um, support us best. My biggest thing is, well, if you had enough placed, you wouldn't be here or you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. And it's like, I, and I need to stress that I felt very strongly about this before I had my daughter. Now it's very gray and very murky. But before I had my daughter, I was very much like, I would give this all up if I could parent. Do not try and say like, oh, well, you wouldn't, you know, be at a bar right now if you hadn't placed. I would give up all the bars in all the world if I could parent. So don't make me choose. Um, You won't (laughs) like the answer. But now it's so, if I, I can't say that. I love my daughter so deeply. I wouldn't trade her for anything. And I even asked my husband, probably after a year and a half of being together, I said, if I had parented, if I had had a child, an infant, when we started dating, would you have still dated me? He was like, yeah. And I was like, great. (laughs) I could have kept him. And my life would still be the same. Mm. Would I be out dating? No. But that's, you know. Yeah. That's a whole different story. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the, okay, but like, that's not why I did it. Right. Like, let's not, like, it's not like, oh yeah, I'd rather, like you said, like, I'd rather do these things. Like Mm -hmm. I'd much rather be with my child right now. Yeah. I would have gladly given that up. But again, I think, I think for a lot of people, it's trying to be optimistic. There are so many things. And and I think that's the beauty, right? Of hopefully of this podcast Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. like this can help just bring awareness to people. And are there any other things that you, that you think are important for people to be aware of? when talking to birth moms? Whenever I was working at an old job, um, I have a couple of adoption related bumper stickers on my car. And this woman comes up to me and she asked me like, is that your car with all the adoption stickers on it? And I said, yeah, that's that's my car. And she said, oh, are you adopted or um, an adoptive mom? And I said, no. I'm a birth mother actually. And she goes, Oh, that's so wonderful. I thought about placing my youngest, but you know, when he came out, he was just so beautiful. I couldn't do it. And I just stared at her and I was all like, Oh, okay. (laughs) 
I didn't know what to say. It was so awkward. But then in my head, I was thinking, well, you know, my kid was just so hideous that I just had to give him away. Like, come on. <laughs> so, and I didn't take offense to it. I wasn't offended. It didn't like tarnish my view of her because I've put my foot in my mouth many, many times. So I didn't hold it against her, but that's definitely not something you should say to a birth mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Anna, we are so thankful for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your story. Um, this was so much fun. Um, we definitely would love to have you on again sometime in the future. So thank you for coming on. Really appreciate yeah. you. And for our listeners, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye, y'all. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.